Okay. In Oiz Zion, so the Rebbe changes the whole direction of the Mimer. Or maybe it's more reasonable to say the Rebbe puts it in overdrive because we're going the same way, just that we're in a whole new place. Morning, Shmuel. And we learned, we learned on, on uh, <coughs> we learned on Thursday that when the when the, pe- the peacock says that I only want the king, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> when the peacock says I only want the king, so that's not only referring to what we what the Rebbe said. We would have thought that means is the ayin sadim of Neiga, meaning those metaphysical powers which are responsible for the nations of the world and all of the Gashmias of the world, right? Like the, like the like Rashi on Chumash explaining Yaakov Avinu fighting with Esav's Malach. Yes, Esav has a Malach. Every nation has a Malach. Every nation has a metaphysical source. It makes sense. Everything in physical reality has a source in metaphysical reality. So every nation has their source. So rather than connect to those intermediaries, the peacock connects to the king. That's what we thought. But the Rebbe says, by virtue of the fact that it says, Hayu imay, that they were with him, that really this hints at an even deeper level. That not only is the peacock someone who wants the melech, he's willing to forgo the highest and most real spiritual experiences in order to connect to the melech. And what did that do? The last line in the first paragraph in Zion, the long paragraph in Zion on the previous page, have you explained that spheres of Atsilas? The person is even willing to go forego unbelievable true spiritual connection. Not with states of reality that are simply the conduits through which godly energy flows into Elamaza in the context of, of Klipa, even though it's Klipa's Nurga, the Rebbe said. But rather, even the highest, the, 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 the very, very, not the highest, but very lofty levels of godly reality. Spheres of Atsilas. Elokus. We talked about that at length on Thursdays. Atsilas. Shiyu v'chayu gamu yichad. A place of very, very powerful Elokus. And at the end of Zion, the Rebbe brings the Moshe. The last thing we saw on Thursday was the Moshe of the person walking along into the chamber of the king, and he might become... Uh, he might become distracted by all of the incredible beauty of the chambers leading into the king's chamber. In Gashmis, right? That there's gorgeous, the, it's just the rug, the rug itself that he's walking on. He could look at that rug for hours. And the, the paintings on the wall and the gold and the, 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 the unbelievable splendor as he's walking into the king's chamber. Someone might get distracted and forget that he's going to see the king. He's distracted by all the beauty, which, of course, is a muscle for incredibly beautiful worlds of spiritual reality, spiritual upliftedness. Right? And the person might get distracted and forget that what he wants to do is go into the ketan of the melech. And again, that word seems to indicate that the melech, now the melech, we usually think of the melech being in the most opulent room, but it might be the melech is in the simplest room. And yet... When he's in the face of the melech, when he's in the, in, the, in the presence of the melech, so that he loses complete and total awareness of his own existence and is just completely taken by the existence of the melech. 
but he might forget. He might forget that's where he wants to go. By all the splendor on the way. And <clears throat> the Rebbe says <coughs> that that relates. <clears throat> that relates to the spiritual beauty, but true spiritual beauty, godly beauty, on the way into the king. Meaning, was the Yid one, so we saw that at the very, very end of the year. We'll start from Ches. We saw the first couple of lines. Very, very famous statement of the Alter Rebbe, which evidently the Alter Rebbe said it not just once, he said it in a, very commonly. This idea, Hu'ava, is the love that David Melech describes in the Pasuk, Who is to me in Shemaim, and with you I don't desire. <clears throat> in other words, all of the beautiful levels of spiritual reality, different levels of godly reality, light, godly light, godly revelation, that a person might find very enticing. David Melech says, what is all that? With you, I don't desire anything. I just want you. And what did the Alter Rebbe say? How did he explain that? And the Alter Rebbe evidently used to say this quite common. Common. I want nothing. I don't want your Ganeden. We'll see. The Rebbe is going to be Medayik in the word Dain Ganeden. It's your Ganeden. It's a true state of spiritual reality. Not something, not the Vedazarach Asvishalom. Ganeden. We talked on Thursday about the, what Ganeden means and the, the beauty of Ganeden, the beauty of Elam Haba, that Rabbi Meir was willing to have Acher, his Rabbi, go through a thousand years of Gehenim in order to merit Ganeden. Even though what, what was one moment of Gehenim compared to? The whole world. No.
to achieve a certain higher level of, 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 of understanding and then come back into the world and share it with us. Tzayv v'shayv, that is described by the Novi. Moving up and coming back. Right, okay. The coming back is obviously the more impressive part than going up. <coughs> the fact that Meshur Rabbeinu went up the mountain and experienced such incredible revelations of godliness is one thing. That's even more impressive as Meshur Rabbeinu was able, was, was willing, and, and, and did, leave that level of incredibly beautiful and splendid godly revelation to come back into Elam Could have just stayed there. Right? Very beautiful up there. Was he realized? Where's God? God's not there. As amazing as that is, as incredible as that is, where's the Abishter? The Abishter's down here doing mitzvahs. The Abishter, where you want to touch the Abishter? That's what the second half of that same Mishnah, well, it's, it's I'm sorry, it's the same, no, it's the second half of the Mishnah, right? We just mentioned, Yofa Shach, Shoketesuch, Be'elim Haba, Mikael, Ha'elim Hazeh, that one moment of pleasure in the world to come is greater than all the pleasure possible to be experienced in all of the history of this world. But what does the same same Mishnah say? Fourth parak Pirkeiavis, Yofashach shall tshuva meisim tevim mikol chayelam haba. That one moment of tshuva and meisim tevim, one moment of mitzvah in this world, connects you to the Eibushter in a more powerful way than all of the world to come, all of the revelations of the world to come. One mitzvah is greater than that. Putting on tefillin, especially with the with the kavana that you guys did when you on Thursday, you put on tefillin with the special kavana that we talked about. I hope you thought about it. I hope you remembered. Well, if not, so you can do it today. Could have done it Friday. Right? So the Alter Rebbe had a so goodness. The Alter Rebbe experienced these very, very lofty levels of reality. Hasoga amitis. A true in, a true comprehension. The Alter Rebbe is not some charlatan. The Alter Rebbe is the real thing. Hasoga mitis, ba'efen in a way, shaseichel, that his intellect, nisachedim amuskal, is one with that which is understood, meaning these lofty levels of godly reality, that the Alter Rebbe appreciates and understands. Afal pike, nevertheless, even though he was privy to these incredible levels of spiritual elevation, afal pike, eino reitze, loiba giluim, he doesn't desire not the giluim of ganeiden veloyeg begiluim deilam abba. Why? Because it's all gilui. It's revelation. And what's still in existence in that state of reality? The Alter Rebbe is still there. Right? He is in, 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 enjoying it and he's experiencing this incredible elevation. There's one level beyond that where what? And this is what's so amazing about the Alter Rebbe wanting this because that level is, is incredibly pleasant. Unbelievable pleasure, spiritual pleasure, incredible, something we can't even imagine. We really can't imagine it. And yet he's willing to forgo all of that. Why? Because he wants Emes. What's Emes? Dicha line. That's what the next line is, right? What does he want? Only the essence of God. Dicha line. The Melech. But what's the problem? Why is that such a, an incredible Chiddush? Because he doesn't experience himself experiencing that. <laughs> yeah. He's not there. Right? When the Alter Rebbe experiences Gan Eden, when he does when he experiences an Elias and Neshama, an elevation of the of his Neshama. So right, the Balshemtov describes that in his famous letter to his brother in law when he describes that on Rosh Hashanah that year his Neshama went up to the highest places and he experienced very beautiful things and he got up to Heichel Shal Mashiach. 
and he got up to the the, the chamber of Mashiach, and of course, what question did he ask Mashiach? No. Okay, so what did he say? No. No, that's not what he why said. Why haven't you come? He didn't say why. When are you coming? When are you coming? Masai Kasimah. Right, when are you coming? Same question that Rabbi Shub and Levi asks Yeshiva in the Gemara in, in, in Sanhedrin. Right. So when are you coming? What was the, what was the, what was the Mashiach's answer? When your wellsprings fed, spread forth, I meaning when Chassidus is spread all over the world, and you add something that's not in the song. Right? And when everybody is doing Yehudim like you, when everybody is bringing about supernal unifications like you, that's the hard part. Okay, but what does that mean? Simply, that people should see Elokus in Elam Hazel like the Baal Shem Tev sees Elokus in Elam Hazel. How can I possibly see Elokus in Elam Hazel like the Baal Shem Tev? Very simply. In Baruch Hashem, it's caught on in the Jewish world. Almost everybody. Almost everybody in the Jewish world. There's a few hangers on there that are hanging on, but the, the, everybody else, Baruch Hashem, has basically adopted the Baal Shem Tev's understanding of Ashkoch Pratis. Divine providence. That what? That everything is the Ebishtah. Everything that happens to you. The fact that the, you just made the red light, the, the green light, that's the Ebishtah. You can think. The fact that you didn't make the green light, that it turned red because the guy in front of you is what's called a creep. He was creeping along and you didn't quite make the light. He decided that you know he didn't really have to get to where he's going. So he's going 20 miles an hour and so he misses the light. You know? And say, okay, that's what you want, that's what I'll deal with. I'll be happy, I'll be besimcha. So I didn't miss the, I didn't get the green light, okay? Instead of screaming at the guy in front of you, it's also the Abishta. Everything's the Abishta. It's all him. Oh, so that we can do just like the Bashem. And it's Baruch Hashem, been adopted by the Jewish world. The Jewish world has come to the realization of the Bashem understanding of Ishkoch Pratis. Everybody. Everybody. There are other positions of Ishkoch Pratis, but the Baal position is the position that is clearly understood by the vast majority of the Jewish world that understands that there is such a thing called Ishkoch Pratis and whatever that is, and they understand it in the way that Baal Shem Tov explains it to us, which is to be miyached yehudim kamecha, to make supernal unifications like you. Many people see godliness in every event. So that's what's happening. And if you talk about it with people, they have no problem understanding such an idea. That doesn't mean we necessarily live up to such an idea, but the, the, the understanding that that's the way the world works, completely accepted in the Jewish world. Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem Tov one. That's true. Baruch Hashem. Okay, so that part of it, Baruch Hashem, is also happening. Hafatzah Samayonis, also happening. So we're just now waiting for a Kasimar. Mashiach should come. So what's, what's, the, what's the Rebbe explaining? Who's the peacock? The peacock is the one who wants Atzmas. He wants the Abishter. What's, what's the difference between wanting the Abishter and wanting all of... I mean, if this isn't the Abishter, all of these levels of godly revelation, it's not a Kaddish Baruch Of course it's a Kaddish Baruch It's revelation of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. It's you and I call Ur. Infinite godly light. Beautiful. Incredible. Amazing. Completely transcendent of the, of the, of the concealment that we experience in this world. A person completely transcends that and is powerfully aware of God's presence. But he's aware of God's presence in the context of infinite godly light. There's still a reality of me there. The Alter Rebbe says, I don't want that. We have to be a real pikeach to go to this place. 
That's why he's a peacock. In the Medrash, he's a peacock. Everybody else, what do they want? They want the Sarim. What are the Sarim? Incredible levels of spiritual, godly revelation. And the peacock, there's one guy who says, you know what? I just want the Ebishter himself. What's that? The Ebishter. Atzmos. We've talked about Atzmos. That level of a Kaddish Baruch that's beyond all understanding. That level of a Kaddish Baruch that when you say you believe in God, that's the level you believe in because that's the level that your Seichel can't possibly appreciate. Can appreciate the existence of such a level, but not what it is. Right? The fact that such a level exists, so we're talking about it right now. Right? But what that is, I haven't had a clue. What does it mean that there's a being that just is? Didn't come from anywhere? No purpose for his existence? No reason for his existence? Every other level of godly reality has some purpose, has some reason. It, it fulfills a purpose in the downward emanation of inf- infinite godly light so that ultimately light can be expressed in the world and, and end up creating first metaphysical worlds and ultimately a physical world, and it's in that physical world that for some whatever reason, Atmos, the essence of God, wants to be revealed. Why? Kacha. The Medrash says, Nis'ave Kodesh Baruch. He had a taiva. Okay. Why do you have such a type? I haven't got a clue. That level of godliness, what does it look like? I haven't got a clue. What does it mean there's a being who doesn't come from anywhere else? How can that possibly be? Everything we experience has a source in something else. There is such a being. What's he called? God. Mamish. It's not called anything. It's called Atmos, right? Any name of God is simply a revelation of godly reality. It's called Ur. Godly light. Infinite. God's not infinite. God's not limited by infinity in any way, shape, or form. Infinity is a limited state of reality. It can't be finite. God can. He's not limited by anything. He can express himself in finite, he can express himself in infinite. That's why you and I exist, because he can express himself in finite. We're finite, Baruch Hashem. If it weren't for the fact that God's beyond infinite, there wouldn't be an us. There'd just be infinite reality, because infinite reality can't be finite reality by definition, or else it's not infinite. God's not limited by that. Don't limit him by that. We've talked about it so often, the silly question that philosophers who are very impressed with their own intellect... What do they ask? How can an infinite God create a finite world? Dumb question. Stupid question. Why? God's not infinite. What's the question Hasidus deals with all the time? How can infinite godly light express itself in a finite way? That's a sophisticated question. That's a real question. And that Panemius Atara deals with, Hasidus deals with all the time. Much of Hasidus is explaining that process. How does that happen? How do, how, what, what is the process? Different levels in that process. Okay. How does an infinite God create a finite world? If there's an infinite God, he can't create a finite world, but there isn't an infinite God. There's a beyond infinite God. What's that called? That's called Atzimus, the essence of God. And the Alter Rebbe says, that's what I want. That's what the peacock wants. But what's the, what's the problem? There's no me there. Nothing. There's not me experiencing beautiful godly light. Once I go into the chamber of the king, it stops being about me, and it's only about him. There is no me there. So I might not want to go there. I want to experience all this beautiful physical, uh, spiritual, metaphysical, spiritual reality. I, I don't want to go to a place where I'm, I'm not... I, what was it like in Atzimus? I don't know. Well, you were there. Well, you, you know. 
Yes, no. <laughs> yes, you're right, I was there. But I wasn't, because when I got there, there was no me. It's just him. And that's what the author Rebbe says he wants. Hi, how is that relevant to us? The yeah, Rebbe is going to explain. We talked about it on Thursday. The Rebbe will explain that. Someone asked a very, very good question in the Zal on uh, Thursday. just want to make sure that we understand that this seems somewhat dispassionate. Like, you know, the passion would be in standing in the, in the outer chambers of the king being blown away by the beauty of it all. Once I get into the king, there doesn't seem to be much passion. No, it's not the case at all. The ultimate passion is to be one with the king. It's not about me. Passion is not about me experiencing passion. Passion is the most powerful expression of passion is my experience of the one about whom I'm passionate. It's not about me feeling passion. And that's not about them. That's about me. Oh, this feels so good. Where are they? In death. Does the neshama speak into that realm? The neshama. No, no, that's why this world is the place to be. Because when the neshama leaves this world, what happens? So it goes to Gan Eden. What does it experience? Zivashchina, incredibly beautiful, gorgeous, powerful, godly light. What doesn't it experience? Atzmus. The only place you can get Atzmus is in this world. How do you get Atzmus in this world? Take a shekel and put it in a pushka. That's Atzmus. Ah, I didn't feel anything. I might be then. I'm not feeling something because it's beyond feeling. All right? Put on tefillin. Make another Jew feel good. Anything. Anything in Elamazer. Don't eat pork. Now, that's a rather passive connection to Atzmus. Okay, say that. But mitzvahs are atzmus. Atatetzavers, b'nei Yisrael, right? You connect the Jewish people to who? To the Irish. How? Through mitzvahs. Mitzvahs, miloshin tzavta. This week's parsha. Everybody feel good about learning today's chitras? We know that pasuk very well, the first pasuk in today's chitras. Atatetzavers, b'nei Yisrael. There's a shkacha pratis again. There it is, that shkacha pratis. Yay, God. All right? The Rebbe's saying something unbelievable here. Okay, Beseda, very nice. What's that got to do with me? I can taste, the, I, I taste chocolate. Right? So what's it got to do with me? Well, let's see. The Rebbe's going to explain. It's not going to leave us hanging. We're, we're only, we're, there's a lot more of the mimer to go. It's a long mimer. It's another three, four ACs, four ACs. Okay, five ACs. So the Alter Rebbe says, Ich will, as dich allein. Right? Just you. There could be, we could add the Iker What's the great cleverness, the, 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 the brilliance of this? Because he's called a Pikach. What does Duxin mean? And this is real, not in a bad way, but not in a complete way. Duxin means now, the Rebbe says, my spiritual elevation, my spiritual journey. My spiritual growth. Is that what Torah and Mitzvahs is about? No. Does that happen? Of course it happens. But is Torah and Mitzvahs about my spiritual growth? Well, at the beginning it will be. But ultimately, is Torah and Mitzvahs about my spiritual growth? 
No. Torah is about God. That's what it's about. That's what the Rebbe is saying. It's in simple language. That's what the Rebbe is saying. What's this world about? The opportunity for me to connect to God? Yes, there's no question. That's an unbelievable opportunity. Some people relate to Yiddishkeit in terms of obligation. They miss the whole point. Yiddishkeit is all about opportunity. You get to do this unbelievable thing. You get to connect to a Kodesh Baruch That's unbelievable. Like someone who's a, you know, a, a, a fan of a particular person, to bring it down to lowly physical level. He said, this thinks this person is the most amazing person, right? So he's, this is a person whose whole life is computers, blah, 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 blah. Right, okay. So, so they let him work in Bill Gates' office. So what, he's going to relate to this as an obligation or as an opportunity? I mean, I would imagine the guy relates to it as an opportunity, right? I would imagine he calls everybody, guess what? This unbelievable thing happened, what? I, I, I'm going to be working in Ga- Bill Gates' office. I'm going to be able to be in the office with Bill Gates all day. I think he retired, but whatever, okay. So this guy's, wow! And so some, oh, gee, you're going to have to get up at 8 in the morning. What a drag. <laughs> you're going to be obligated to be there every day. That's the way the guy looks at it. He says, what, are you kidding? I can be in his office every day. Are you kidding? Okay. Now, would, it, would the guy be nuts? No, you'd think that would be perfectly normal. The guy would be very excited about such a thing. If that's what he's into, he's into computers, and Bill Gates is Mr. Computers. I mean, he wouldn't want to be in the other guy, the Apple guy, because he was just such a creep. But Bill Gates, <laughs> Bill Gates evidently is just a, a really nice, normal person. I mean, he's married with children and gives life unstuck in a level that no one's ever seen before. I mean, the man's a very special person. There's nothing about it. Okay, so I assume he's probably a pleasant person to spend the day with. All right, okay. He's not going to, I don't assume he's going to yell at the person, berate the person, and belittle the person. Okay, I assume not. Right, okay. So what an incredible opportunity. Right. Okay. We have this incredible opportunity that any moment we want, we can connect to HaKadosh Baruch at any moment, any time, whenever we want. Right. Well, okay. And what level? Well, we could get into that connection in terms of the fact that it makes me feel good. Right? Or we could get into that connection by virtue of the fact that we're connected to what's real. So the Pikeach does the second. Everybody else does the first. This is uplifting and it gives my life meaning and it, 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 it's, it's just a, a very, it's very pleasant and okay, it's beautiful, incredible. It is. And it does give our life meaning, there's no question. I mean, imagine if there's nothing to do down here, but you know, make a little money and spend it. I mean, Benet, just like spinning our wheels for whatever, and then you leave. Okay, whatever. What for? Who knows? Right. Sometimes the Abish puts us in situations we don't understand. Like we don't. What for? What was? But like, I'm stuck in this place. I'm not. I'm not doing anything. Right. Like and you put me in this place, so I can't do anything for a while. Right. Just heard an amazing story of my son. He uh, he said something very interesting. I must admit, we were talking about a particular idea, a class that he had given on Thursday, and uh, he said that three times he's thirty-five. He's thirty-five plus. He said three times in his life he's gone to friends' house who are sitting shiva for children. 
mean, you know, Baruch Hashem, a lot of kids, and so that happens more often. So uh, he said when we were in yeshiva, that wasn't what we were thinking about. We were thinking about, oh, we're going to get married, go out and shlichus, have kids. I didn't think that I was going to have to go sit shiva at some friend's house. Three times. So one of the people is a shaliach in India, Mati, Mati Grumach. So Mati Grumach is a shaliach in India. Lost a daughter. And he was sitting shiva here in Ajisrael. His father is a shaliach in a place called Beit Dagan, right near Kvachabad. If you go to Kvachabad, you always pass Beit Dagan. So, uh, so he's sitting shiva and uh, for his daughter. So he said... It was right before Pesach. I said, I don't get it. It's right before Pesach. I'm supposed to be in India. I don't know what town he is in India. I'm supposed to be in, my, in, in, in India. And we're supposed to be running a Seder for 150 people. And who's going to run the Seder? And who's going to take care of the Chabahs while we're sitting here? I said, I don't get what he gets from this. I don't get it. Like, I'm not doing what I should be doing for him. I don't, I, get, I don't get to do it. Like, why is this a normal thing? Who's going to run the Seder? So Rav got up and was very upset and said, how can you talk that way? You're not allowed to talk that way. So he said, no, Kvoda Rav, you don't understand. I know he's right. That's not my problem. I know he's right. But I still don't get it. Doesn't he want me running my Chabad house for 150 people coming to Seder? Who's going to run the Seder for those 150 people if my wife and I aren't there? We're sitting Shiva here. How's that of any use? That's pretty real. Right? What wasn't he thinking about? Woe is me. Oh my goodness. Why? Because he's a heartless person? Hmm. I would imagine he loved his daughter very, very much. Because he understands who he is and what he is and what he's here for and what he's supposed to be doing, and he doesn't get it. So where does this fit in that? Don't get it. And we don't get it. Okay. Why don't we get it? Because God's big. And we're not. He's very big. So... Somehow, that actually makes sense, and it's right, and it's what should be. We are not there. We can't possibly understand that. Okay. Are we allowed to say that? Of course we're allowed to say that. As long as we understand that it's right, and it's what's... If, if, if you really think that your question is a real question, and the Yebishter made a mistake, so then don't ask the question, because you're, you're, you're off the wall. All right. But if you're asking the question because you just don't understand, you know that the Eivishter is right. You just don't understand. That's called a muna. That's what a muna is. The Rebbe says in a letter, and I've never seen the letter, but I've heard it quoted by Y.Y. Jacobson. The Rebbe says in a letter, and what's a muna? A muna is something that isn't weakened by any question or strengthened by any answer. Mm-hmm. That's a move. That's very powerful. It's not weakened by any question and it's not strengthened by any answer. Because if it is weakened by a question, it's not a moon, it's seichel. And if it's strengthened by an answer, then it's not a moon, it's seichel. Right? If the answer to the question strengthens my moon, it's not strengthening my moon, it's strengthening my seichel. 
my intellectual understanding of God just got stronger. That's not a moon, that's safe. The moon is beyond safe. The moon is that place in our neshama that is essentially connected to a Kaddish Baruch. That's, that's a moon. It's not, a moon isn't something you have to get. The moon is something every single Jew has, the same way you have, you know, every, I mean, every, every person, unfortunately, not every person, but generally, every person has eyesight, right? Eyesight is a power of the soul. You don't have to do anything to get eyesight. Right? You just have it. God gives it to you. Right? It's one of the powers of the soul. There's this other thing that's a power of the soul. It's called the moon. It's a power of the soul. Intellect is a power of the soul. The moon is a power of the soul. It's beyond intellect. Intellect can understand all sorts of amazing things. But there's things intellect doesn't understand. Why? Because intellect doesn't understand everything. It's just the way it goes. Right? What's the Moshe we've used many, many, many times? What doesn't intellect in what way? that makes it very simple, even for people who, who never encountered the idea that intellect can't understand anything, everything, which is very common in the world, and people have to, you know, understand this because they get completely messed up by the fact that they think that intellect really can understand everything, and if you just think about it more, if someone's smarter, they'll get it. No. No. I'll say it for the 14th time, it's all right. I don't mind. Explain color to a person who was born blind. Explain intellectually the notion of color to someone who was born blind. Well, don't they understand you? What, they're stupid? Not stupid. Intellect can't touch color. Because color is not an intellectual idea. Color is a visual experience. <laughs> and seeing is different than thinking. What is intellect good at? Ideas. What if something isn't an idea? Then intellect isn't very good there. <laughs> is that true? Doesn't that make sense? Right? People, I mean, this, it's so funny because it's like the simplest idea in the world, but most people never even think about it. Oh, intellect, intellect, intellect. Of course intellect is amazing. It's incredible. But all it does is understand ideas. There's other things it can't understand. Another thing it doesn't understand, it's called love. Intellect has a hard time understanding emotion. It tries to, and it tries to put it in some sort of intellectual Form okay, Poseidon, and people who've experienced emotions can somehow discuss them with each other intellectually, okay, because they've experienced them. But you certainly couldn't explain an emotion to someone who's never experienced one, right? The people who don't believe in love, I guess they never experienced it, so they don't believe it. People don't believe in God, I guess they never experienced it, so they don't believe in it. Love isn't an idea, love is an emotion. Intellect can talk about the emotion. I mean, intellect can talk about God. But only if you've experienced something about it. What does the Elder Rebbe want? A level beyond even my experience, which is really a muna. That's Mamish Amuna. The Ikra Pichas, the essential cleverness of the Pichach. He doesn't want the intermediaries. What's that? <coughs> Levels of godly reality in Seder Ishtashlus. Now, you wouldn't want, like, just, you know, a couple of minutes, let's see what Ganadin looks like. You wouldn't want that experience. That's a pretty cool experience, I would imagine, right? Like, wait a minute, just. Take, take me into the Kedesh and put me in there just for five minutes. Let me see what that looks like. 
mind. What does that look like? It's going to three minutes, two minutes, one minute. There's a line. How long can I spend in there? Right? One minute in Kedusha Kedusha. One minute in Beis Mikdash Bechla. Okay, that would be pretty amazing, no? The peacock says, okay, that's pretty amazing, but I'm willing to forego that. Why? Because I want Atzmos. Even 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 the infinite revelation of godly light. Who? That even though the spheres, the word sphera comes from the language of <coughs> brightness and clarity. Evan sapir, my sapphire. Evan sapir is something brilliant. Sphira Sa'emer, what do we say? The panemius of Sphira Sa'emer, it's, it's on the horizon, Sphira Sa'emer, it's a month and a half away. What's Sphira Sa'emer all about? Illuminating the Emer, illuminating the Midas. Each day is a different Mida, each day is a different quality of the Nefesh Bahamas, illuminating it so that it's ready for Matan Torah at the end of the 49 days. Sphira Sa'emer, and it means to count, of course it means to count, simple shot, it also means to illuminate. Sviris, what are Sviris? Godly illuminations, right? Illuminating, it's revelation of godly light in Kalim, right? In vessels, that's what's unique about the Sviris, in that they allow for the revelation of specific aspects of godly reality, and that's what a Kli does, right? That's what Kalim do. The Kalim in this room, that Coke bottle, what does it reveal? It reveals the red photons in the light that's floating around the room. Without that Coke bottle here or anything else in the room that's red, we would not be aware of the fact that in light there's red because the light that we look at is undifferentiated, non-color. Right? How do you know there's color in light? Well, because it bounces off a cle and that color is revealed. There's red photons in light. How do you know? Well, look, there's red on the Coke bottle. So the red photons are being reflected and all the other photons are being absorbed and so you and I experience red and there's blue on the water bottle. Brown is like a little boring, but okay. Just a mush of a whole bunch of colors. Okay, so the suit I'm wearing is absorbing all of the colors. The shirt I'm wearing is reflecting all of the colors, and so you don't see any color. Right? You just see white or black. But if there's a specific color in the clee, so then that specific color is revealed. That's the nature of a kli. Kalim reveal specific reality. So when we talk about erdos and kalim, godly light and godly vessels, what do vessels do? Vessels ex- express a specific aspect of godly reality. And they hide every other aspect of godly reality because what that bottle is also doing is hiding every other and for all intents and purposes, infinite expression of light, of, of color in light. The only color that's being revealed is red, and every other color, the infinite shades of color, other than the one that's being revealed by that Coke bottle, those infinite shades of color are being concealed by that bottle, not revealed. So if the bottle were the only thing in the room, you'd think light is red. It's not red. It is red. It's not only red. It's everything else in there. Okay. It's the nature of a Kali. And that's spheres. Spheres are when godliness is revealed in a Kali. So you and I become aware of something called Chochmah, something called Bina, something called Chesed, something called Gvura. It's 822. 
eight more minutes of pain. Right? Okay? Right? So what? What is the, the Madrega Shabbat 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 because that's the nature of the spheres in, in Atsilus, that even though they're kalim, but they're states of godliness, as we've talked about, we talked about throughout Basi Lagani, and we talked about on Thursday as a review of Basi Lagani. The Bashpa, that regarding the godly bounty, Shanim Sheches, that's drawn down all Yudea spheres, that's drawn down through the spheres, the kalim of the spheres. Nira Begilui, it's seen in a revealed way, Shashpa, who loimia spheres atzmam chas v'sholem. What do you notice when you experience godly reality? What's the first thing you notice? That whatever state of reality you're experiencing doesn't exist by virtue of itself. It exists by virtue of something above it causing it to exist. That's the nature of light. That's why we call it, that's why the mushal we use, the parable we use for godly revelation is light. Because as soon as you're aware of the existence of light, what do you know? The light has a source. By definition, that's what light is about. And if you were to see light shining in a place where you didn't expect it, you go, gee, where's that coming from? That's what light is, by definition. That's why we use that mushal. I mean, that got, you know, it's a, it's a, a, a chicken egg, which came first. Well, the Abishta created reality in such a way that the mush and physical light in such a way that the mushal of physical light is a perfect mushal to understand godly revelation. That's why physical light works the way it works. In order for you and I to understand godly revelation, that light is all about revealing a source, something beyond me. So if you were to see an angel, the angel wouldn't be saying to you, wow, look at me, I am such a cool state of reality. The angel would be saying, I come from somewhere. It's not about me, it's about where I come from. That's what the angel says. Do you necessarily see where the angel is coming from? No, you don't necessarily see where the angel is coming from. That might be a level that's beyond the, the, the revelation here. But when you see revealed reality, you're aware that what I see comes from somewhere else. That's the nature of revelation. And concealment is you think the thing exists by virtue of itself, that it just is. Which, of course, is silly. Nothing just is. Everything comes from somewhere. Okay, there's only one thing that doesn't come from anywhere, and that's Atmos, and that's what we don't understand. <laughs> what do you mean? It, 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 what was there before Atmos? There's no before Atmos. Well, where did he come from? He didn't. Why is he there? There's no reason. What's his purpose? No purpose. Well, what is he? Well, where did he come from? He had to come from somewhere. Well, he's just there. What do you mean he's just there? He's just there. Why? No one. Well, who made him? No one made him. How did he get there? Just is. Oh, that is mind-blowing. That's God. That's God. Not the guy that created you. Yes, that's also God. So many people get stuck in the fact God must exist because I do. Okay, that's true. But so much more to him. Just is. Where did this being? Where did being come from? It didn't. So we have this vision of sort of this black emptiness 
And then all of a sudden there's some being in that black emptiness that fills up the black emptiness. There was never any black emptiness. It was just that being. And he's just there. And he's called God. And if you want, you can talk to him any time you want. You can connect to him any time you want. He's there for you all the time. And the most special thing to him, for some reason, don't ask too many questions, the most special thing is you. Nothing gives him more pleasure than your existence and your misses. Nothing. Why? I don't know. Don't ask any questions. He might change his mind. Oh, he doesn't change. He doesn't change. Maybe he can decide he wants to change. Right? Well, he can't change. Well, okay. Don't limit him. If he decides he wants to take upon himself the notion of change, he can. What would that look like? I don't know. He can do anything. <laughs> it's not limited in any way, shape, or form. Your philosophical terms that relate to him, meaning when God says, I, God, didn't change. It's not just philosophy. It's a pasuk in Micha. Right? Okay, I, God, didn't change. Malachim, sorry. I, God, didn't change. Okay. Good. So what does that mean? That means relative to us, the creation of the world didn't bring about any change in God's reality. He was the only thing before that and he's the only thing after that. Don't think that that means all of a sudden there's the world and him. No, no. There's still just him. How's that work? Mm -hmm. The muscle that we use that's the closest that we can get is your thought. If you have a thought, so now all of a sudden there's you and your thought. No, your thought's just an expression of you. It doesn't exist outside of you. It's just you. Now, your thought does have some level of existence outside of you because you and I can't think of anything that doesn't exist outside of us. We're limited in that way. That's why we say, we'll say it next Monday, right? My thoughts aren't like your thoughts. We'll read the Pasuk in the Haftarah of day. My thoughts aren't like your thoughts. What does that mean? So God's thoughts aren't like our thoughts because God's thoughts create reality. Our thoughts respond to reality, react to reality. The only thing we can think about is something that we've experienced outside of ourselves. No, that's not true. I can think of a creature with 17 fingers on one hand and three fingers on the other and gold teeth and one eye in the middle of his forehead. Okay, fine. First, we'll call you Dr. Seuss. Second of all, 17 exists, fingers exist, eyes exist, foreheads exist. Everything you, ex you thought of exists outside of you, except you put it together in an unusual and creative way. Okay, but you didn't create any of this stuff from nothing. No such thing. You and I can't create Yeshmiyayin, even in our thought. We just create Yeshmiyayin from our thought, something from something else. Okay. And still, somehow, I'll relate to my thought as just me even though it's connected to all this stuff outside of me. Okay, but say it, but still me. So all the more so, the Abishter's thought, where there's nothing outside of him, and the only thing, the only reason that thing has any existence is because he's thinking about it, so to speak. Okay, so then that thought is just him. It's not outside of him. It's just him. You and I are a figment of a Kaddish Baruch Hu's imagination. We're part of that thought. He has a thought, and all of time and all of space is in that thought. That's just where it is.
One thought. In one thought, all of time and all of space is, is contained in that one thought. Some people define him by that thought. All they know about is God created the world, which is true. That's that thought. I'm the guy who picked up the cup. That's true. Doesn't say a lot about me, does it? But it's true. Except I'm the cup. Oh! Waste of good coffee. Right. I'm the cup. Better drink it, huh? <laughs> God is cool. The coolest people in the world are the people who try to connect to God. Everybody else is straight and square. <laughs> Push it, the squarest people in the world. The coolest people in the world are the ones who are really trying to figure out how to connect to God. They're cool. They're really cool. They're real. They're trying. They fetch about the fact how hard it is. They forbring. They get drunk on Purim. <laughs> they do all sorts of wild stuff. I mean, God said, get drunk on Purim, so you get drunk on Purim, what do you do? It's so hard to drink that much of the stuff. Ugh. Okay. Um, in that vein, I mean, I'll invite everybody, pers I mean, I'm inviting you all personally to our Purim Suda, okay, please come to our Purim Suda next Wednesday afternoon, I'll tell you what time, you're all invited. If you aren't coming, please let me know so my wife won't cook a piece of chicken for you, all right, okay, but please, you're all invited right, to our Purim Suda, we'd love you to come. I'm vegetarian, so one last piece of chicken. Okay, we'll have one less piece of chicken, but but uh, there'll be all sorts of other stuff for you. But you'll come? Yeah. Okay, we'll say uh, Yeah, I understand. Right? <laughs> okay, we'll talk about it more when we get closer to the time. How you're going to get there, getting there is... is uh, 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 there's better years and worse years. Just the, the traffic on Purim in this city is completely mashuga around the time when people are all driving to Purim Sudas. You know, at like 3 o'clock in the afternoon, traffic is just one giant parking lot of a bunch of people trying, dressed up as who knows what, trying to get to a Purim Suda somewhere else. And, there's, and they're just bumping into each other. It's, it's impossible. So the best way to come is probably take the train and walk. It's a 25-minute walk, but you'll be walking through Purim the whole time, and it's just a blast. You see all the kids dressed up, and it's just—it's a lot. Of, it's a nice walk. I do the walk almost every day. I take the train and walk home because a doctor told me if I walk half an hour a day for 120 years, I'll live a long time. So I'm, gonna, I'm trying. I'm gonna try that. I'll see if he's right. In the meantime, I enjoy the walk. It's a nice walk, even though it's not Purim. Okay, whoop. Making a big mess over here, no? Okay, no. two more minutes and we're done. I lied about seven minutes, seven minutes ago, I'm sorry. The gamsha spheres, Miloshin Sapiris, Meena Mastiri Malarin, so if the spheres don't hide the Abish there, the Bashpash and Imshakas Ayadeya spheres, that the laughter, the godly bracha that's drawn down through spheres, a Kalim Nira Begilu, it's seen in a revealed way. Shashpa, that this bounty, this light that comes from the spheres, he loimia spheres atzmam chas v'sholem. It's not from the spheres themselves. They're not a source of light. They're simply a conduit for light. Elo sho'orein soif, that infinite godly light, mashpi'el yodam, influences through them. 
and that's even more the case of the ur of the spheres, meaning even the kalim of the spheres, even the, the aspect of the spheres that bring about some state of limited, specific expression of godliness. Even that, that level certainly tells you very clearly, I come from a higher place. But even also the light of the spheres, which is, it's, it, light itself is, is by definition infinite, even that. What does it say? I come from a higher place. The nature of light is that it reveals something higher. All the more so, all the more so, the levels beyond the tzilas shal yudeya, or that through the or misgala haor I'm sorry, shal yudeya or misgala ko mashev shel isgalas miyamor. What's or all about? Or is all about revealing as much as it can about its source, such that or is powerfully connected to its source. And on a certain level, it's indistinguishable from its source. But really, I mean, if we want to understand truly, we understand that the source of the light is much greater than the light. But the light is so powerfully connected to its source that we don't even make a distinction between the light and its source. So so on Friday, you might have said, whoa, the sun's hot today. What a nice hot sun, which is a really stupid thing to say. It means sunlight is hot today. But we don't distinguish between sunlight and sun. The sun isn't light, the sun's sun. Light is what comes out of the sun, not what the sun is. Sun isn't light, it's the sun, whatever that is. A bunch of gases densely packed, burping away. Right? Okay. Sunlight comes out of the sun. But we don't even distinguish between sunlight and sun because the nature of light is so powerfully connected to its source. That being said, there's a difference. And when you appreciate the difference, you appreciate something about the light also. The light, it, it reveals as much as it possibly can of the source. He doesn't want them. He only wants the Melech. I want the king. And we'll just finish quickly. We'll read it now and we'll see it again tomorrow. This is also the careful reading language of the altar, like we mentioned earlier. I don't want your Ganeidin. I don't want your Elam Abba. The Gam, that even though she's Ganeidin, they're your Ganeidin and your Elam Abba. It's Mamish Elokus. It's not some intermediary. It's Mamish, really, the Abishter. The Noisif Lazay, in addition to the fact that Giluim the Ganeidin of the Elam Haba Atzmah, even though these revelations themselves, Hem Giluim Nailim Beyeser, the very lofty levels of godly revelation, Mizgalal Yadam Kol Mashevshel Izgalas Miyamar, and they reveal as much as could possibly be revealed of the source of light. Mikol Makem Eino Reitzebem, he doesn't want them. Why? Because they're not you. They're your Ganeidin, but it's not you. For Kol Ritzenu Ragba Atzmus. What does he want? The essence of God. Dich Alain, the Ebishter himself. One of the ways it's said, some people are into the Ratzon of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. they want to connect to the will of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. Beautiful, amazing. There's something beyond that. Connecting to the Bala Ratzon, connecting to the one who has that will. The mitzvahs are an expression of the will of the Ebishter. What does the mitzvah allow you to connect to? Bala Ratzon, the one who has that will. The Ebishter himself. The Ebishter wants you to put on tefillin. So you can connect to the Shulchan Aruch of tefillin, which you have to do. You can't possibly 
do anything relative to tefillin if you're not connected to the Shulchan Aruch of tefillin. But that allows you to connect to something even deeper than that. What's that? Baal HaRatzin, the one who has that will. That's the Eivishtah. So again, we'll try again when we put on tefillin this morning, just say, give that meditation we talked about on Thursday. When you put on tefillin this morning, tefillin is just very easy because it's, 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 it's such a compact act. As you're making the bracha and you're just about to tighten the knot and, and wrap it up, say to the Eibishter, I don't want any Elam Haber from this, I don't want Gan Eden from this, I don't want any reward in this world or the world to come from this mitzvah. I want nothing from this mitzvah except to just connect to you, Zell. I don't want any spiritual upliftedness, I don't want anything from it. Just that you should get what you want. Yeah.